to go rink-wide on TSN 1040. Presented by BCM Lawyers. Coming up this week on Rink-wide, Brown slides it across a shot. Rebound, score! Dustin Brown wins it in overtime. And the Kings take this 2-1 to over Vancouver. Points are important. <laughs> That's why we play this game to get as many points as we we can get. And you know, uh, if you're gonna lose, you know, we gotta we gotta keep the regulation losses to a minimum. Riley Smith looking to bring shorthand down the middle. Good recovery by Hutton. Here's Smith again walking in. Set it up, score! William Carlson buries it from Riley Smith. A shorthanded goal, and the Golden Knights lead four to three. Initial rush got broken up. Um, and it was kind of a little bit of a battle on the sidewall, and they come out with a, with a two-on-one, and then uh, made a nice little backdoor pass. He had great patience and made a nice pass. There's nothing really Mark could do there. Stars get it in front of shot. Score! Alexander Radulov, and with 3.23 to play, the Stars take the lead. Now here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Wadden. That's right. Welcome to Rink Wide, the show that always scores, presented by BTM Lawyers. Did you know that craft beer law is even a thing? Well, it is, and BTM does it. The guys at BTM Lawyers help craft breweries with startup negotiations and corporation financing, trademarks, acquisitions. They do it all. If you operate or want to operate a craft brewery, like my man JD does, it's in the future, right? Uh, talk to BTM Lawyers to learn more. BTMLawyers.com, JD. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's it's good to be back in the studio. Shame about the results that we're we're walking into. Canucks just lost to the Dallas yeah. Stars. Another late, heartbreaking defeat. One that's sure to keep Travis Green up at night. But unfortunately, that's just the the growing pains that come along with a, a young team, a young and developing franchise. It's still trying to find its way. A lot of young pieces, and you're going to have to live with mistakes like the ones that cost the Canucks two points tonight against the Dallas Stars. A little unfortunate. You hate to see a performance like Anders Nielsen's wasted like that. I thought he was excellent today, and it's been a nice change of pace, certainly, given all the, the poor goaltending performances that we've been subject to thus far in the season. I really thought he played well. There were some good positives from that game. It's just, again, it, NHL hockey is a matter of, it's a game of mistakes. It's a game of inches, and the Canucks made a huge one on that second goal late in the third period. You can talk about Marcus Granlund failing to clear the puck. You can talk about Michael Delzato floating 10 feet away from Alexander Radulov in front. You can talk about Anders Nielsen having to come up with a big save there. I don't know if you want to blame him necessarily, but hey, that's the difference between this game going to overtime and the Canucks potentially walking away with two points and what actually happened. So, interesting game to follow. What are your thoughts? Yeah, two games like that this week. Uh, the 4-3 loss earlier to uh, the Golden Knights on Thursday. Another example of uh, missing out on a point. Of course, Travis Green talked about uh, that game and how much, uh, you know, after the game he was PO'd pretty a lot about it, but then he kind of came around and said, you know, I will take that game 82 times a season. Obviously, he's not talking about a loss. He's talking about the effort uh, in that game to the Golden Knights. Let's, let's get into the back check here, uh, presented by uh, Steamworks Lager. Steamworks uh, has launched a perfect beer to celebrate a Canucks win or drown your sorrows after a loss like, uh, well, they had all week. Yeah. <laughs> no shortage of those. Yeah, it's their new premium craft lager, which is uh, lagered for 34 days, resulting in an awesome flavor and crisp finish because great taste 
takes time. And like a great taste, a good hockey team takes time. And we've seen that uh, with the Canucks this week. 0-2-1 for the week. Uh, three games played. Of course, we'll start things off on Tuesday. Willie D. <laughs> Willie D hockey. His triumphant return. The triumphant return. Of I always Willie knew Desjardins. firing him was going to bite the Canucks. Oh, yeah. He was going to come back to yeah. haunt them. Yeah. A 2-1 loss in overtime. A very Willie D hockey kind of game. And... Uh, Blake Price, who of course uh, hosts Garrison Price and uh, pre and post game for uh, the Canucks, uh, Alpine Credits pre game show and post game show, uh, he summed it up quite nicely uh, when he said this. I've seen less dumping and chasing in a monkey cage, folks. <laughs> <laughs> a classic line right there, but uh, oh, he wasn't man, far that's off. Cool. That's that's Willie D hockey at its finest. It's one of those games that you just kind of want to move past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just burn the tape. Yeah, it was burn the such tape. a boring game. Yeah. There's nothing you can take from that. Yeah. In today's I, NHL, that is like, what the, What are they doing here? You go and watch maybe you know some of these dynamic teams around the league, then you watch the Kings. And, of it, Course, it was the, dead puck era. Yeah, and the Canucks fell into that sort of trap of playing Willie D hockey and you know the dumping and chasing and everything else. Uh, but again, a loss and a point for the Canucks in a game where you know we're against a team. You got to get two points against the Kings. You can't walk out of that with 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 one point and just one goal scored. And I know that Willie will trap you into that sort of game. But the Canucks have to move. They got they got to be better than that. Well, and and no Jonathan Quick for the Los yeah. Angeles Kings, and you're talking about Ilya Kovalchuk. He comes over from the KHL. I think eventually those players are going to stop doing that entirely at this rate. He's playing six minutes a night right now. I'm with, with Willie Desjardins. I, I'm wondering if he's going to last that entire career. I, I don't a, think a so. I don't think so. This has, who was it last year? Uh, Shipachev. Yeah. This has that written all over But it's over in a it. much, much, much higher scale than Shipachev, though. I mean, yeah, that's true. The, the dollars, the player, yep. et cetera. Um, a bit older. I mean, I don't expect Willie D to be the head coach of the no. Los Angeles Kings much further than this season. He might not even get through this season, to be honest with you. But uh, with, when you bring in, like, it's... It's almost like, what are the Kings doing there? Like, why did they even bother bringing Kovalchuk in? Well, the, this team clearly still thinks that they're a contender. And they got eighth okay, place hold in on, the Western on. Conference last th- season. If, if they th- still think they're a contender, then why the Willie Desjardins hire? Well, I, I think reality is starting to hit home. I think they're starting to look at this franchise and looking at what's happening early in the season. And it's got all the ha- hallmarks of an old team with a lot of money locked up in unenviable positions. I mean, yeah. you look at Jonathan Quick, a goalie who, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate in the analytics community about what Jonathan Quick is or isn't. And I, I still think he's an above average NHL goaltender. And in the postseason, I'll be damned if he isn't among the top five in the league. I will give him his due. But he suffered a lot of injuries. You talk about the back surgeries. You talk about an explosive goaltender who relies on his athleticism to make up for positioning shortfalls. He's starting to go down to injury, right? And that's not going to improve with time. I still think his contract is tradable and they have to start looking at whether they want to make that uh, make that sort of move and kind of kickstart this rebuild, especially with the way that Cal Peterson has looked yeah. filling in. I thought he did an admirable job, certainly based on the performances against the Vancouver Canucks. And, and you look at what's happening right now with Jeff Carter. He's struggling to find the scoreboard. Tanner Pearson, traditionally a strong middle six winger. They just moved him out for Carl Hagelin. I think what they're starting to realize is that this team is beyond redemption as it's currently constructed. They need to take a step back to move two steps forward. And I think that they looked at Willie Desjardins' record. They look at what he did in Vancouver, and they saw somebody who was perfect for the job. I think 
whether they'll admit it or otherwise, and you'll never get that out of a hockey man, they are in the lose for Hughes mindset. And you talk about the golden rule in hockey. If you're not in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving, you've got very short odds of being there eventually. So it's not looking good for the Kings right now. And I think Willie Desjardins is the perfect person to guide them to that golden promised land of Jack Hughes. Yeah, I don't want to go too much of a deep dive into the LA Kings. Got some other games to sort of look at here for the Canucks, but uh, if you do look at their contract situation, yikes. You know, Anze Kopitar making over $10 million. Not that Anze Kopitar has taken a step back at all, but I mean, that's going to be a contract that you can, I mean, 23, uh, 20, he's signed until 2024. I mean, that's going to be tough. We talked about it on the Scares and Price show. We debated whether a Drew Doughty trade would be a possibility. I think the scenario that we came up with was the one that Matt Sakaris didn't like so much, but that being said, you have to think with Drew Doughty being 28 years old, to be 29, I believe, in a week, um, you know, making $11 million starting next year, that maybe they flirt with the opportunity of trading someone like Drew Doughty, but uh, again, uh, the Kings in a tough situation with the amount of contracts uh, that they have and the old players that they have. That's why I question the Ilya Kovalchuk uh, signing. Uh, guys, well, uh, phone boards are open, 604-280-1040, 844 TSN 1040, that's 876-1040. Also text us in the Brain and Injury Law uh, inbox at 104040. Uh, we're going to get, we, we can take some calls, but we got a lot of stuff to unpack. Uh, not only on the ice, which we're going to do right now, but there's some, there's some stories off the ice that need to be talked about. Have you heard? Uh, <laughs> something about the music and, and a DJ gate. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, let's take a look at Thursday's game against the Golden Knights. A, a much better effort, as uh, Travis Green stated. After the game, he was heated. He talked to the press after the game, as opposed to like you know, you know taking some time because the players were out on the ice. Yep. Um, and he was PO'd after the game. He, the next day, uh, he was a little more rational, uh, you know, like stating, like you said, 82 times a season, I'll take that game. And of course, he's talking about effort, not the loss. A 4-3 loss, but... um Besser. Brock Besser scores two goals uh, for the Canucks in that game, and uh, he opens the scoring for them. They take the lead, but they just can't seem to tack on anymore. Uh, the Golden Knights, shorthanded goal, of course, uh, wins the game. Travis Green, like I suggested, was PO'd after the game, but the next day, he had a little bit of a different tone. How can you say you've won 1-11 won and you're improving? But I'm telling you a lot, like, I'd take last night's game 82 times, and I'd be real happy, and I'd, I know our record would be a lot better than a lot of people thought we'd ever be at the start of the year. And he's 100% correct about that. I mean, that was a good effort against a, a good Vegas team. They're they're getting there now. And, of course, you know, going to a Stanley Cup final last year is nothing to scoff at, but uh, they're improving, and they're starting to show on the ice as well, and the Canucks hung with them for majority of the game. Well, you talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and, and their run to the Stanley Cup final last year. There was a lot of well-actuallying. A lot of people ready to find ways how this wasn't real. But you know what? The underlying data started to really take a turn about the midseason point last year. By the end of the season, they were playing solvent, winnable hockey style. They were controlling possession. They were playing a very fast game, and they were winning hockey games that they should have won. It wasn't a matter of them being lucky. You look at them this year, third in the NHL, controlling 55.46% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5. Five five. You want to be above 50%, obviously, but once you get into that 50, 55, 56 range, you're doing something pretty special Starting there. to dominate there. Starting yeah. to dominate at that point. And, and you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, had a great run last year, really kind of recovered from his history 
history of being a playoff, uh, I don't want to say choke artist, but he had a couple rough years there. And then he recovers last season and he struggles to start this year, which is going to happen with an older goaltender. We just talked about Jonathan Quick. But Marc-Andre Fleury is starting to find his game and the Canucks are starting to, to run into that, unfortunately, as they start to ramp up against the Pacific Division as they have in this last month. And I think that's that's what happened. They just ran into a team that simply is better better than they are. Better, faster. They've got uh, a goaltender that they can rely They're on They're hard to on make. the puck as well. They're, they come yeah, at you. Yeah, they are a Gerard Gallant team. Yeah. Uh, Max Pacioretty starting to pick it up as well uh, for the Golden Knights and like you like you suggested there, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Is there a more respected player in the NHL no. than Marc-Andre Fleury? It seems like everybody has something good to say about him. I know uh, Besser had given him a tip of the cap uh, post-game as well, but Brock Besser coming back, scoring those two goals. Uh, what can you say about Brock's game that you've seen uh, throughout this week? And that, of course, being his best game of the three. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're a Canucks fan, you have to be encouraged from what you're seeing with Brock Besser right now. Because to start the year, that groin injury was clearly a problem. 100%. He didn't have his skating stride, and that's never been a strength of his to begin with. But what really struck me was his timing was off. Yeah. And you could see that. He was missing shots that otherwise he would have had on pinpoint accuracy. He just couldn't seem to get the puck to settle down. Now we're starting to see that he's had the time to properly recover from this injury, one that he should have been sitting out from the beginning. He's starting to find his game, and you look at what he's starting to do right now with Elias Peterson. Pedersen, I really struggle with that one still. You're really? Gonna forgive me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sander. And you know what? Those two are starting to find chemistry. And I think that those two are very well suited to each other, even though Besser doesn't have the speed of, say, a Jake Vertanen, because I know you were a rush line proponent. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I like it from time to time. I don't, yeah. I, I honestly, I kind of like Goldobin there yep. for the majority of the time, but just a little injection, you know, throughout the game. A little energy yeah, every now Vertanen. and then. The one thing about Vertanen that we've, we've talked about with him, I mean, he's, and I think the guys talked about it earlier, um, you know, he's still got the power forward. You know, quote yeah. unquote. But how many goals? How many greasy goals does he score? None. And and if you go back to his junior career, that's yeah. how he played yeah. with with the Hitmen. He's the exact same player today that he was with the Hitmen in terms of the the way he's producing, in terms of the way he's attacking the offensive zone. I have seen nothing to suggest that he is a power forward going back to his junior career or what he is now. I think that he's a sniper who happens to throw the body a lot. And yeah. you want to talk about playing style. You know who he reminds me of is, is David Booth in his heydays. And I know people are going to get mad at me for that one. People forget he had a 31-goal season. I think the Canucks would take that from Jake Vertanen in a heartbeat. That oh, is a bit 100%. Of a th- that's a bit of a throwback <laughs> reference. That's a lot of shotguns. You know? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the good folks from Steamworks have us well-positioned yeah. to handle that. So I, I, I think that Brock don't Besser, do the milk though. Stout. Yeah, yeah. No, no more of that. <laughs> but I think that Brock Besser is perfect for, for Elise Pedersen because he's not a great skater. But he gets himself into positions to use that shot. And he knows how to attack the offensive zone, to find seams, to break down an opposition defense and put himself in a position to succeed. And when you're playing with someone like Elias Pettersson, he's going to make it pay off. And I think we've seen that. And so I think the Canucks are going to have to stick with that. Maybe keep Goldobin on the opposite flank so you got a bit of a playmaking flair that's that's still there and present. But, uh, no, it's it's nothing but good signs from Besser in this first week, if you ask me. And uh, keeping with Besser, of course, uh, the game that we just broke down, or Abs and uh, and what was the other guy's name again? Oh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Blake Price Oop. just broke down a 2-1 <laughs> loss to the Dallas Stars. Uh, Canucks, again, open the scoring in this one. Uh, Dallas scores twice in the final 10 minutes. Besser, though nearly in the final minute sent it to overtime final minute of play here in the third stars trying to hang on to a 2-1 lead 
blade to Besser. His wrister off of the post and wide. He beat Bishop Clank Dyer. As an ex-goaltender, there's my best friend saving the day once again. But uh, as a Canucks fan, that broke your heart right there. Had him beat, rings it off the iron. Yep. Beautiful shot, though, by Brock Besser. I wouldn't say that today's game was the sort of effort that Travis Green was talking about against no, Vegas. Sir. However, you know, he if they send that game to overtime, end up getting a point out of it, you know, you're 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 feeling good about yourself, even if you got two. You know, you sent it overtime and you get the two points, but just one would have been great. However, on the other hand, Tank Nation is rejoicing right now, looking at an O two and one week. Yeah, I, I think it's. I looked at Thursday night's loss to the Golden Knights. That one was perfect to me. I look at this one today. I'm a little bit less encouraged because the thing you want to look for is process, right? Yeah. And and you're a Leafs fan. I know you love it when Why I bring this up. Why are you telling the people this? I know you love it when I bring this I, up. I have zero credibility at this point if you keep telling them that. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so if, if you look... Who's this Peterson guy you keep talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. A little back and forth there. And uh, just wait until uh, we get a break here. It's, yeah. it's going to get to Tristan. Friday night fights. Oh, wait, yeah. Saturday. Never mind. But uh, you know what? I, I think the, the point I was trying to make before I sidetracked the whole thing, I'm yeah. good for that. Me too. Is that... You look at, at what the Leafs did in that first year with yeah. Babcock. They were playing good hockey. They yeah. just didn't have finishing talent. Like, it was watchable hockey then. It was Before that, hockey. they weren't. And the Canucks are kind of in that state now as well. They're starting to get there. Yeah. They're starting to find players who can at least play the game well enough. And they outshot the they outshot the Golden Knights. And the Dallas Stars was a bit more of a struggle. They got beat at 5-on-5. Five five. But well, it, those games are always sluggish, too. The 1 p.m. Yeah. You know, they're the tough. 1 p.m. Yeah, Saturdays. They're yeah, tough exactly. for the players. Uh, so they're usually sluggish games and, and again but you know like I said the Tank Nation is looking at that game going giddy up liked it and there is some positives that you can draw Anders Nilsson was yep. very good we are going to talk to Kevin Woodley later on in the show in the uh, second hour around 6.30 we're also going to go on the ride the bus like we do every week here on rink wide and uh, head down to Utica and talk to our guy Corey Hergott who of course uh, uh, covers the Utica Comets for the Athletic uh, in Vancouver um there are a couple of things. Are we are we done with the Dallas game? Are we good with this now? I think that there's just not a whole lot that you can glean from yeah. that game necessarily. But like Anders said, Nielsen was. Anders, Anders yeah. Nielsen, that for me was the one takeaway, and I think he's earned another start. I think you look at Jacob Markstrom and Tra- uh, Travis Green on Thursday was asked about his numbers because Jacob Markstrom is towing a sub-900 save percentage. League average, you're looking at 910. That's not a lot to ask for. Oof. And he is well below that. And, and credit to Travis Green, because I know it's a tough spot to be in. He knows that there isn't a goaltender ready to take that mantle, so he's not going to sewer his goaltender's confidence. So he's going to bat for him in the media, but he has to know that this is costing his team hockey games. How many hockey games is up for debate. I think the, the bigger issue here is still a a lack of talent, and, and that'll be a theme for the rest of this year, maybe even next season. Yeah. But... I, I still think coaches are wired not to tank. Coaches, executives, yeah, they like don't the, the whole tanking thing is—it's such a fan-based thing because some general managers, we've seen it before. I mean, uh, Tim Murray yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah that is true. Sometimes general managers can have that long view, but coaches are just not wired. And that boy, way. I mean, like, guys, it. Sort of worked out for the Sabres because they yep. are starting to. I mean, Jack Eichel's a, a fine hockey player, a, oh, a fantastic hockey player. He's not criminally he's not Connor, underrated. Yeah, he's not Connor McDavid. He's well, he might be underrated, but he's well paid though. Oh yes, you yeah, give yeah, him yeah, that. ten mil and and uh, another big contract today. In case you haven't heard, William Nylander. Oh, did six, that happen today? Six years, six point oh. nine million dollars, and right. uh, who's he play for again? Yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and you know what, uh, a former. 
coworker here at TSN 1040, Lawrence Gilman. That's got his, uh, I don't know, that's got all the hallmarks of a Gilman deal from the, the Gillis yeah, heydays I'm, I'm, of the Canucks I'm going to let you guys in a little bit. I texted LG after uh, things got done with Nylander. I said, listen, congratulations. Uh, nice work on getting it done. He replies, piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, we, People are going to get mad at us for going into Toronto, and, and especially if you do. So I will take the, I will jump on this grenade. Sure. That is such a good contract. Yeah. Never mind the fact that it's $6.9 million in each of the preceding years beyond this one. Only has a modified no trade clause, which won't kick in until very late in the process because of UFA years. And it's a modified list of 10 teams. I mean, I think anybody can work with that. It's so front-loaded that if it gets to a point where Nylander is declining or whatever, they can ship this contract off to a Florida, to an Arizona. Yeah. It is a mastercraft. And then you get into the fact that they front-loaded the cap hit for this season. So the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the bottom 10 of the league in terms of salary cap usage. So what do they do? They go ahead and decide to use their advantage this season to take some cap hit off of the preceding five. So they shaved off $600,000 per year in cap hit for the next six seasons. You want to talk about how you keep a core together? That's it. Yeah, and if you look at what they have remaining, and I know, guys, you're, you're, you're probably your eyes are probably glazing over right now over this Toronto Maple Leaf talk. But if you <laughs> if you do look at the uh, the rest of the contracts that do have moving forward that they have to take care of Marner, of course, Matthews, and you look at the numbers now, you're like, actually, they can fit. Yeah, and with you know guys coming off, uh, but look, put it this way: the Canucks can learn from that as well with the way that they're going to have to handle things. Brock Besser is going to need a new contract next year. You know, there was out there, hey, what if if Nylander's worth this? Then what's Besser going to be worth? That's that's a good question because if you look at the comparable stats, I know that Besser has played significantly less less games, but if you look at the points per game and of course the goal scoring, uh, Besser's going to be uh, quite a hefty uh, contract to take care of. Let's let's switch gears just for a moment. We only got a couple minutes here yeah. uh, before we get to uh, uh, Corey Herga uh, on the other side. The DJ situation. DJ Gate this week. Oh yeah, like, that. Like, okay. Like, it's so weird because we're talking to... I got talked to Pierre Maguire this week. And uh, he's, he's a Friday regular on Sakaris and Price. And for those that don't know, I'm the... Um, Producer of the, uh, of that show, so I talked to Pierre, and before he went on with the boys, I said uh, he's like, "Oh, what's going on up in Vancouver there with the Stipic and you know things shifting around?" And I said, "Did you hear about the DJ thing?" And he's like, <laughs> "What are you talking about? <laughs> like, in what other market are we talking about the in-house presentation, like music? This it, like only Vancouver. This can happen. It's so weird. I think it speaks to the general and and I don't take something like this lightly necessarily." But I think it, it speaks to the general chaos of of the Vancouver Canucks, especially in their front office suite. Ed Willis had a piece where he goes, uh, Jeff Stipik left because of the, the constant chaos. And then you, you see the DJ thing. It infects the franchise at every level. And you know what? That, that DJ issue... I'm kind of with you where I go, who cares? It's the song, but it's the only well, song no, 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 you no. can't play. Yeah, but, oh, The no, no. only on. song. Don't be, I, I didn't say that that was, it was okay, because it's not. And, I, you know, again, full disclosure, I spent 10 years of my life as a DJ. I meant under normal <laughs> circumstances, right? Like, yeah. if it wasn't Chelsea Dagger, you just go, ah, whatever, no, it's just and a bad like, song. And just to, to, to oh, and we're going to go down this rabbit hole, but uh, 
there was an apology for the for the song, but it was backhanded. It was completely backhanded. And and again, more full disclosure: Jay Swing is a, a personal friend of mine, but Jay Swing's also a die-hard Canucks fan. He's the perfect DJ to be the Vancouver Canucks DJ. Hmm. And. To when I read the apology, and if you guys don't know, there was an apology from the the current DJ on her uh, Instagram, uh, saying that you know what, guys, I'm sorry, but you know there was a lot of butts in there, and it also included the I was never given a list of do not play. Well, guess what? If you are the Vancouver Canucks DJ, you should know about Chelsea Dagger. Never mind what not to play. That's the one song you don't play. And like, DJ just... Aquavici going to Twitter, oh. <laughs> and and he's, he's going. She she's a, a bit younger, doesn't remember that era in the Canucks. I mean, give me a break. I, I that know, was four I years ago. I and I think we're preaching to the choir on this, and I don't want to pile on. And, and, and listen, they didn't make – there was a rumor out there that they made a move after it. It didn't happen. So at this point, let's just move on from the situation, right? But we, I did have to get my two cents in yep. on that. Um, I, I wish her the best moving forward. And honestly – and I know that sounds backhanded as well. But honestly, let, yeah, let's, let's just move past it at this point. But that was a really tough thing <laughs> to not have to talk about, right? I mean, Rink-wide is – on the side of the fans. Let's, yes. let's make that clear. And we're, we're talking about this to show solidarity. Yeah. We are as outraged as you. We are the show that always scores, and we will we will stand up for the fan. Uh, speaking of fans, Greg, the Dairy Farmer, uh, tip of the cap to you. Thanks for uh, congratulating us on the new show. I did meet Greg the other day, actually. It was kind of funny. met him downtown. I guess he recognized uh, my TSN 1040 jacket. Uh, but he does have a question to you, J.D., and we'll, we'll get this before uh, uh, we get to Corey Hergott on the other side. Uh, J.D., why do you think a team like Boston didn't offer Nylander for $8.1 million to hurt a division rival and, of course, the compensation? that would come with that would be a first a second a third um what's your thoughts on that because the boston bruins have less than four million dollars in cap space available to them they've also got a couple of big negotiations on the horizon they've got i'm looking here they've got jake debrusque is about two years away from needing a big deal you've got danton heinen a a good young player he's not going to break the bank obviously but i'd be concerned about ryan donato's potential to do just that somebody who lift uh, they're very high on very high on lit up the college circuit actually played a bit with adam godet of memory serves so Mm. they've got their own cap crunch ahead of them, and that would be why the Boston Bruins didn't make that move, although it would have been nice to see Pasternak and Nylander reunited since they are apparently friends. Alright, there you have it, guys. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the injury report, plus we're going to ride the bus down to Utica with Corey Hergott from the Athletic in Vancouver. You're listening to Rink Ride, the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. <laughs> Congratulations on your show, Andrew. Just stop talking about the Leafs crap. And then he writes in, go Habs, go. Okay, that's a little backhanded. Another in the inbox here is all brain and injury law in box. Come on, guys. 8.1 for Nylander. He isn't worth the 7 he got today. 20 goals, 60 points, career highs. But he has done it back-to-back. He's only been in the league for two years. Uh, Who said 8.1? Uh, we we didn't say it. He might have. He might have. <laughs> kind of had a. He might have dialed in. It was Greg the Dairy Farmer, who's a uh, a regular contributor to pretty much all the shows here at TSN 1040, uh, who suggested it. So, guy, whoever this is, it's unsigned. Uh, people sign your texts. <laughs> a little Matt Sakaris there. Um, well, sign your texts. Yeah, we weren't implying that Neilander should be uh, 8.1 million dollars. Uh, Rinkwide presented by BTM Lawyers LLP. If you've been injured in an accident, choose the law firm that. Knows the score, 
just like us. Find us online or find them online at btmlawyers.com. Time now before we get to Corey Hergott and take a ride on the bus down to Utica. Let's get to the injury report. Mr. J.D. Burke, what do we got? No shortage of injuries for the Canucks, but that's uh, that's always par for the course with this team. Brock Besser, however, here's a little good news to kick things off. Return to the Canucks lineup Tuesday night's 2-1 overtime loss to the Los Angeles Kings. Followed that up with a pair of goals in nearly 20 minutes of ice time against the Vegas Golden Knights playing alongside Elias. Pedersen. Heck of a return for Brock Besser. And we've also got Sven Berchi left mid-game against the Vegas Golden Knights on October 25th. It's been a difficult time for Berchi, who a few weeks ago reported that after 15 minutes of skating, he was experiencing dizziness and post-concussion-like symptoms. Although there is more good news on that front because he returned to practice earlier this week. Yeah. Just a solo skate. And you know what? With concussions, that's such a huge yeah. move in the right direction anyway. I don't care if it was for, for a half hour I'll take it, and I know that Sven Berchi will as well. Now back to the bad news. We got Brandon Sutter suffered a separated shoulder against the Minnesota Wild on a 5-2 win on October 29th. He has yet to return to practice with the team, although he did an excellent job of handing out 50-50 tickets on that massive draw the other did you, day. Did you buy one? I didn't buy one. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I should have because I know it goes to a good cause. But uh, whoever, I, I the guy in West Kelowna won it. $700,000. Not oh, a bad little payoff wow. there. That's, yeah. that's a... Didn't he win two 50-50s? I don't know. Year two? I if don't know. Did, it's, it's wild. Curse that man. Jay Beagle, another bottom of the lineup center. Wrist hand, hand injury blocking a shot in October 13th. 3-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Eyeing a return to the Canucks lineup for Tuesday's tilt with the Minnesota Wild. And that is your injury report for Rinkwide, powered by BTM Lawyers. Yeah, and that's some good news there for the Canucks. Jay Beagle, of course, uh, yeah, the contract highly scrutinized um, before coming into the season. But if you see the workload, and we're going to talk about it later on in the show, that Bo Horvat has been taking on uh, recently for the team. Uh, Beagle coming back right now is going to be a big, big thing for the Canucks. All right, let's shift our focus now to the baby Canucks. Utica Comets coming off a win today over the Laval Rocket. And joining us now is Corey Hergott from The Athletic in, oh, excuse me, Canucks army in vancouver i think i credit him as the uh, athletic earlier i'm on e- errors and omissions all over yeah yeah it's like between you calling him Patters- peterson and and also uh, i said the show was on seven to nine tonight i tweeted it this morning i know i know i, I said Jeez. that you're still on toronto time that, but that wouldn't even make sense either nope. I, i'd be on like central time or something yeah that's true yeah. but you know what hey you know who always gets it right Corey hergott, Corey hergott of canucks army that's welcome right. to the show how are you doing my man <laughs> I'm doing well, fellas. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing very well. Doing very well. Uh, so let's just run it back then. The um, Utica Comets playing two games this week, or three games this week. Uh, Wednesday, Bingham, Binghamton Devils, uh, 4-2 loss. And then the Belleville uh, Senators, another 4-2 loss. The Laval Rocket today. Uh, what have you seen throughout the week that is, let's go positive first. Uh, well, Michael Carcone keeps piling up the points. Uh, he had another good week, three points uh, in his three games. Um, he's got up to nine points in his last six games now. He's uh, sitting one point behind Boucher, McEwen, and Carroll for the team lead, and he's played just 20 games. Uh, so he's doing uh, quite well. Uh, you asked me last week about uh, which defenseman was stepping up in Levy's absence, and I neglected to mention Evan McEnany, and uh, I didn't want to do that again today. So uh, McEnany's uh, been playing quite well of late as well. He picked up three points today and has eight in his last nine games. So 
Um, he's bringing a bit of offense from the back end. Most of it comes on the power play, but uh, any offense from the back end is, is good offense in, in Utica for sure. Um, Richard Bachman had another good outing today. He, he picked up another win. That's that's two wins in a row for him, and, and he's, he's a guy that... Uh, he needs to get his wins when he gets in because the, the, the folks in Utica can kind of get on him a little bit when he, when he has a bad game or two. Well, I mean, when you got Thatcher Demko in the wings, I mean, everybody wants to see him succeed and take over the net. But I'm going to shift gears back towards Evan McEnany because, as you mentioned, he's somebody who's had a bit of a uh, an odd uh, arc to his AHL career. Certainly, you look at the injuries lost just about all of last season, but he's always been sort of a hipster pick to make the Canucks lineup. And, and Jeremy Davis, if he's listening, I know he's going to love this chat from Canucks Army as well. Have you seen anything from him that suggests he can get back into that conversation as somebody who can perhaps be a contributor on the third pair or even as a seventh defenseman for the Canucks moving forward? Well, I think I'd like to see him, uh, uh, you know, what, where he's at maybe uh, in the new year and, and see what kind of shape he's in by then. He, he missed a lot of a lot of the season last year. He only played 11 games. Uh, he put up seven points in those, in those 11. But uh, So he had a long um, off-season of, of trying to rehab his injury. It was a, a lower body injury. I believe it was about break in, in one of his legs, uh, possibly. But... Um, that's a guy that I think is still trying to get back into into game shape. I mean, he missed a lot of hockey last year, so I think if he's still clip, clipping along the way he's been um, come the new year, I think he does put himself back into that conversation as a guy who can take the role, like you say, a third-pairing guy or a, or a seventh D. Um, he's got a nice shot from the point. He's been trying to get a lot of them, a lot more of them through lately, which is good. Uh, the Comets don't get a ton of shots through from the back end, so if he can load up, um, that's a shot they want to have, and he, and he he got a beauty today with a big bomb. I know JD will probably uh, screw up his face when I mention this, but minus 15 for McEnany, though, this year, that's not a positive. Well, he's been paired uh, a lot l- lately with uh, Jesse Graham, and, and Jesse Graham is a, a guy out of the ECHL who's uh, with the team on a on a AHL deal, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that's that's pretty decent offensively but his uh, defensive zone coverage is not his strong suit and mackinan has been paired with him a fair bit lately um he had guillaume brisebois earlier he's just kind of bounced around the lineup a little bit on the pairings and he was being sat a little bit as well so i i don't want to hang that minus 15 on him too heavily i, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, you know, not having the best goaltending behind the team this year as well. I, I know uh, Yule Levy gets uh, gets a lot of flack for and a lot of heat for his uh, his plus minus as well. Uh, Michael Carconi, who we mentioned uh, just a moment ago, two games played this week, uh, three assists, second on the team now in scoring at 17 points in 20 games. That's, I mean, hey, the Canucks have to start looking at Carconi and maybe considering him as a call-up because we've seen what a lot of these guys can do. Why not give a chance to someone like Carconi? Well, the thing with him, I mean, he's, I don't know if it's... I, I wrote this in my post-game report, uh, not this game, but last game. I, I said every time I say his uh, his pace is unsustainable, he goes out and, and grabs another point. Well, he did it again today and, and grabbed another two points. He's at .85 points per game, uh, which, as I say, I'm, I'm not sure that's sustainable, but he, he just keeps doing it. Um, I mean, he's on pace for right around 60 points this year, and uh, that completely obliterates the, the 28 that was his career high last 
last year. So that, that's pretty good coming from a guy who is another undrafted uh, free agent, uh, a guy that, um, you know, they picked up and brought to Penticton for development camp and, and gave him a shot, and, and he's making the most of it. Uh, he's a player that I, I really do enjoy watching. He plays really well in all three zones. He's super competitive. He's super tenacious. He's got wheels for days. He's uh, I, he's a, like a Tyler Mott, but uh, playing in the AHL. So I, I'd like to see him get a chance at some point. I like the guy. Speaking with Corey Hergott from Canucks Army, rink-wide, powered by BTM Lawyers, J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Now, we talk about Michael Carconi as somebody we want to see get a shot with the Vancouver Canucks at some point. I'm fully on board with that. Another person, though, who there was a lot of talk going into the season would be up with the Canucks by about now, by December, was Ole Ulevi and... You know, he he has a bit of a setback there. He has a knee injury, returns to Vancouver. Where do you think this leaves him, and what do you know about the injury? Because I I know that you were saying that it might have happened in-game. What can you tell us about Ole Ulevi's injury and how this affects his development, at least for the remainder of this season? Well, I did notice that uh, Jeff Patterson tweeted out earlier today that uh, he spoke with Benning and uh, with Jim Benning and and was told that uh, Yolevi will be out two to three weeks uh, with his knee injury. So we've got a little bit of a timeline to work with now. Um, those timelines aren't always accurate, but we've got a, a starting point at least anyway. Now, uh, I didn't think I saw anything in game that that seemed to injure injure Yolevi uh, in his last game that he played, but uh, word is coming out that it did happen in game at some point but I don't believe it was in in the last game that he played it may have been something that he was trying to play through for a game or two uh, we only got about 30 seconds left here so Corey but uh, Thatcher Demko what can you tell us about Thatcher Demko right now uh, he's still looking good. He's, he's sharp. Uh, he played two games this week. He lost both. Um, he gave up sixty, uh, sorry, six goals on fifty-eight shots between the two games. Uh, I think he's still just working through it. He, he's he's going to have to shake off a little bit of rust. He, he missed almost two months of hockey, so we can't expect him to come and put the team on his back and carry him to the promised land just yet. Um, later on that this season, we'll we'll maybe see that from him. Well, there you have it. That's our ride down the bus down to Utica with our uh, insider, Corey Hergott from Canucks Army. Corey, thanks for joining the show once again. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Always a pleasure. All right. On the other side, we are going to tell you who crushed it this week right here on Rinkwide. Keep it locked. TSN 1040.